Live from Utrecht, this is the fan William Schorsnedo. Hello. Schors, I have another announcement to make. Exciting, tell me. Did you know you can find the fan William Schorsnedo on its own RSS feed? I did, yes. And this is actually a new recording of that announcement. This is not spliced in by the editor. The, the thing is, the existing Bitcoin Magazine RSS feed also has the fan William Schorsnedo on it. But that feed is going to be broken up. And all podcasts are going to have their own feed. And then there's going to be an other aggregated feed. But the point is, our listeners that are listening to the Bitcoin Magazine main feed and they want to keep listening to us, now they really need to switch to the Van Wadem Schorsnedo artist feed or the Van Wadem Schorsnedo podcast thingy in their app. Or maybe they can switch to the new aggregated feed when it's there, but it's going to take a month. No, you should switch immediately. Yeah, switch and now. Switch now. Cool. I always listen to dedicated podcast feeds, but it's just my own listening habit. Especially the Van Wadem Schorsnedo. Yes. Schors, what do you think of Ethereum? It exists. Yes. What do you think of DeFi? I've heard of it. Wouldn't you love it if you could use DeFi on Bitcoin? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good. That's a great start of this podcast because we're we're going to explain how to do that. Exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing. Oh, wait. Have you ever been to the... I'm, I'm always in favor of explaining how one might do something even if it's not something I want to do. For example, I can we can explain how to burn coins you know, on yeah. Bitcoin chain. We've done that with Ruben too. You don't have to do that. You don't have to have to actually burn coins well the other thing i want to ask have you ever been to the la bitconf i think that's what it's called the the latin american one no i heard it's great fun but unfortunately not yeah so I've this never year been in latin america period so i've been in Suriname for a while unless you count mexico i've been there as well anyway this is getting off the rails okay so here's the point i'll get to the point dear listeners i'm gonna get to the point right now this is actually a take four <laughs> RSK, you know about RSK. Yeah. Okay, so RSK is a Ethereum-like sidechain for Bitcoin. And on LaBitConf, they announced a new pegging system. Do you know what pegging means? Well, yeah, it means apparently, trying to keep the exchange rate the same, right? Uh, central banks are very good at that. Apparently, it's slang for fornicating. But that's not what we're talking about. Exactly. We're talking about a different kind of pegging where you... Like sure said, you peg coins to other coins. Okay, so RSK does this. We're going to explain how the new pegging, peg in and peg out mechanism works. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, let's start at the start. Sure, RSK is a sidechain. What are sidechains? Great question. So a sidechain is a blockchain. It's a separate blockchain from the Bitcoin blockchain. But in some way or another, you can essentially move Bitcoins to the sidechain and then move them back to Bitcoin. Slightly more technical, there are different tokens on the sidechain. So there is a different blockchain with different tokens, but somehow you can always exchange one of the tokens on the other blockchain for a Bitcoin. Therefore, they should be worth the same because if you get one of these other tokens, you can always just get a Bitcoin. So, you know, they should be valued the same. And as long as you have a system where you can do that both ways, so you have a Bitcoin and you can exchange it for a token, or you have a token and can exchange for a Bitcoin, then that's what we would call a sidechain, I think. There's some discussion about the definition. That's my yeah. definition of a sidechain. I, I call that a sidechain, if it does I, that. I think that's fine. I mean, others might have you know, all sorts of arguments why maybe the thing on the side is not a chain, or maybe the thing on this, or maybe 
you know, it because it involves more trust on the other side. It shouldn't really. It's not like the original Satoshi's vision of a side chain, even though I don't think Satoshi was the one envisioning the side chain. No, uh, that was like the original Blockstream vision, I guess. Right. I mean, there was an original vision where the side chain would almost be an equal partner, and and you know there are variations on it where the side chain is less and less that. I mean, PayPal could be a side chain too if they wanted to. Right. Yeah, well, in, in, according to my definition, they would definitely need some sort of token that's packed to Bitcoin in, in one way or another. And I think there needs yeah, to be so something. There needs to be a blockchain as well. So what I would imagine is uh, PayPal could say, well, uh, you send us some Bitcoin to this address, and now it's on the PayPal sidechain, and you can send it between PayPal users. And then if you want to redeem it, we'll send it back to you, and we'll do that according to our database. Yeah, I still think there needs to be something of a blockchain, and then I guess we get into the definition of a blockchain. Uh, I agree. I tend to agree because otherwise, why not just not just call it the custodial wallet? Yeah. So then, you know, are you building? I think some of the solutions to this problem are what's it called? It's called a Rube Goldberg machine. Right. So it's one of those super complicated machine where you can move all sorts of objects around and, and they fall and then something rolls and a rabbit comes out of the hole and then all of a sudden, it's, look, it's a side chain. So, you know, I'm not saying that RSK is that, but I'm saying that's that's why you can have very long discussions about whether something is a true side chain or not. Yeah, I think it was Jorge Stolfi or however I announced that who argued that his couch was a side chain. I, I, like I said, you, you can probably <laughs> argue anything is anything. Okay, here, okay, let's get to RSK. So I think the, the principle here, yeah, is you, you put something into RSK, you, you park some Bitcoin, you're going to explain it. I'm going to try to explain how RSK works, roughly. Okay, first of all, RSK is a merged mind, merged mind sidechain. So in RSK's case, that means that, well, I guess, in, well, there are, there are different ways of doing merge mining, but in RSK's case... I didn't know this. I thought it was kind of interesting. It's that it, it works sort of similar as mining, or I, I should say pooled mining, where all miners in the pool, they are sort of trying to find the next block. And now every block they try is going to be a valid block. But there's sort of a subset of blocks that are kind of almost valid. And then they're still sort of valid within the pool to determine who gets the rewards. And RSK has sort of a similar thing where not all blocks that are valid for Bitcoin are valid for RSK, but there are like a bunch of sort of blocks that are almost valid for Bitcoin that are still valid for RSK. So there's so, more... So it's based on proof of work, right? It's based on... It's just Bitcoin miners who are mining this. Yeah, because with Bitcoin, indeed, if you're a pool, you produce a proof of work. And in order to get accepted by Bitcoin nodes, the proof of work has to be, for example, 100. But miners can say, well, as long as you produce 10 then we know that you're actually mining and not cheating, and so we're going to allocate you 10% of whatever the next block is. Yeah. So RSK has sort of a similar thing where they have more blocks than Bitcoin, and they sort of use the same trick. And okay, so, so, but they're, they're actually mining blocks in between then as well. Yes. Okay, so that's different. Yeah, there, there are some proposals for Bitcoin too to do that, where you would have intermediate blocks. Yeah, so RSK is that. So they have a block like Ethereum every 15 seconds or something like that, and this is how they do it. So that's, that's so these miners are just Bitcoin miners, and they are producing valid RSK blocks, and these include transactions, and they're doing whatever miners are doing, and they're doing whatever miners are doing on Ethereum, apparently. But they're producing blocks anyways. And they're also putting these blocks, they're referencing these blocks in the Bitcoin blockchain, right? Yes, every time a Bitcoin block is mined, it also has it's also a RSK block. So yes, but not every Bitcoin block. No, every Bitcoin block. 
I mean, not every RSK block is referenced in a Bitcoin block. Correct. Because there would be gaps. Yes. But that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Is that part sort of clear? Yeah, it is. And uh, if people want to learn more about merge mining in general, I think they should also listen to our episode with Ruben, mm -hmm. where we kind of talk about another way to do this merge mining that does not need the help of Bitcoin miners. Exactly. Okay. So this part one. Okay. Then, then we get to how do you actually get Bitcoin onto RSK? And then after that, how do you get RSK coin back to Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. By the way, RSK coin is called Bitcoin on RSK or RBTC. RBTC is not, not that not Reddit a subreddit. So much censorship. Yes, they pick the same name for their coin, RBTC. But that in this in this context of today's podcast, that means this token. Yeah. Okay. Now we want to send Bitcoin to RSK. So okay, so this is what we're doing right now, and then we'll get to the new change. Right now, you send a Bitcoin to a multi-sig address. And this multi-sig is controlled by a group of Bitcoin companies or cryptocurrency companies. Once the coins are sent to the multi-sig, these companies control it by majority. They, they control the coins. There's a smart contract on the RSK chain that keeps an eye on this multi-sig. And once coins are sent to the multi-sig, the smart contract on the RSK chain knows, okay, time to issue that amount of new coins and they are issued to the person that sent the money the bitcoin to the multi-sig mm -hmm. and then they have rsk coins from that point on yeah that part is pretty clear right yeah and i think we also talked about that with ruben right you can do that and on the bitcoin side it just looks like money going into a multi-sig and nobody cares that's fine yeah the question is how to get it out yeah okay so how to get it out Right now, the way to get it out is you send... Why all these coins, why all the RBTC are on RSK, the coins in the multisig cannot move or shouldn't move. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the companies that are controlling this multisig should not move the coins until the RBTC are sent back to the smart contracts. And at this point, these companies know, okay, now these coins are locked in the smart contracts. Now we're gonna release them from the multi-sig. So then they're sent back to whoever wants the coins on Bitcoin's main chain. Right, so it's kind of similar to like they would get burned and created out of thin air, just a slightly different. Uh, yeah, yeah. A slightly different way of doing it, slightly different terms, yeah. but it's, and, it's and so sort the of the same. the key is that has to stay in balance because you do not want a situation where, you know, less RSK, where there is more RSK than the amount of Bitcoin in the multi-sig contract because then you get a game of musical chairs. So how do we yep. prevent, or how do they prevent the game of musical chairs? Because the Bitcoin side doesn't care, right? When the multisig address is empty, Bitcoin just keeps going. Yeah. But some people may be very upset. So. so right now, there's no real way of preventing that. It's trusting that these companies aren't going to cheat on the RSK users. Mm -hmm. That's that's how it currently works. You just got to trust that they're not going to collude against you, essentially. And I think it's also that there has to be a threshold, right? Because it's a multi-sig that has a certain threshold. Yeah, it's a majority. Right. So you want to make sure the majority doesn't collude against you. Yes, exactly. Or right. Is, or and is forced to, or is hacked. Yeah, also possible. But, you know, and the, the theory is, like, these are sort of well-known companies, so you could probably trust that they're not all going to collude against you, hopefully. Yes. But you understand why I might make an analogy with a custodial wallet? For sure, yes. I, I get why it's not ideal. Not a legal analogy, but a physical analogy. Yeah. Okay. 
But RSK is upgrading. Cool. So now they're going for a new solution. The new solution is this. The pegging in part is still the same. You still send coins to a multi-sig address and the smart contract issued. Okay. Now you're sending back coins to the smart contract. Well, the pegging in part is not exactly the same either. But anyway, here's the here's the change. All of the uh, all of these companies that are controlling the multi-sig, from now on, they are using special hardware modules that have private keys embedded in them. And these companies shouldn't even themselves be able to extract these private keys. Okay, these modules, they are programmed in a certain way. Namely, they are programmed to only ever release coins from the multisig, still by majority, but only do it if the coins are sent to that smart contract. That's the only way they could possibly send the coins from the multisig if they are in fact sent to the smart contract. And they have 4,000 RSK block confirmations, which is equivalent to, I think, 200 Bitcoin blocks. Okay. So now you're not just trusting these companies not to collude against you. You are trusting the hardware modules, I would argue. And then also the, these miners, if you are trusting the modules, then these then there are actually blocks being mined that are actually confirming that the coins have been locked back into into the smart contracts, which requires energy and you know hash power. So it's not something they can do for free. There needs to be actual ex um, energy expenses. Plus, if someone would try to cheat on you somehow, it would be obvious because everyone can see what's happening on the blockchain. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean... You know, hardware modules are pretty cool, but they are not uh, infallible. So I, I very briefly read on their own blog post, they were talking about the problems with the Intel SGX system, which was a sort of a secure hardware module on site inside the Intel chips. And there have been lots of scandals. But in, in 2015, Intel was, was saying, oh my God, we have this amazing secure enclave thing where, you know, you can put trusted code and the whole world can trust it. And there were proposals to put Bitcoin private keys inside of those hardware modules. And basically you wouldn't need lightning anymore. And it was just, you know, it was going to be amazing. That's Tichan. You're referencing Tichan. Yes, I'm referencing Tichan. And the, and it was already at that point clear there were books written about that Intel module. People spend, I don't know, some, some PhD spend lots of time reverse engineering how the Intel stuff works in the inside because it wasn't very well documented. And basically, the introduction said something along the lines of, like, no self-respecting, security-conscious engineer should ever use this. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, there are all sorts of massive vulnerabilities with it. The risk with these systems in general, I think, is that, you know, they, they can have serious bugs in them or backdoors. Now, you know, in this case, the RSK team were not using that particular system. I don't know what they are using. I mean, there there are devices out there, right? Like hardware wallets, uh, the Ledger wallet that has one of those modules in it, the cold card too. It's a very cool concept. I mean, in principle, the chips are designed in a way that you need like very sophisticated equipment to get into them. And as long as you really can't get into them, they can hold on to a secret for you. That's why they're great for hardware wallets because they can hold on to a secret, but they can do more. They can, they can be given instructions. You can give them a piece of code and saying, the only way you're going to sign this thing is if these conditions are met, and then you can never change the conditions again, in theory, unless you have 
Well, this is where all the gotchas come in, right? Unless you have an upgrade mechanism where some arbitrary person can sign a software upgrade. Oh, but the firmware upgrade, okay, who can sign the firmware upgrade? Okay, now that's the guy the government goes after. So the, there are the gotchas that could be a backdoor in it. There was the, uh, I think, the crypto company in Switzerland that was backdoored by the NSA and they were happily eavesdropping on their own allies. Right. For a very, very long mm -hmm. time, because there were just a couple of engineers that they were they were corrupt enough or patriotic enough, I don't know, depends on your perspective, to uh, to cooperate with that. So there's that risk. So you're making it sound like a bad idea. Is that your intention or how do you No, no. I mean you could you could argue that it's a strict improvement over just trusting the companies. Right. You could say, well, you're already trusting the companies, now at least the companies have to put in significantly more effort to run off with the coins. So I'd say that's good as long as you're honest about how you present it. The other problem would be a denial of service. Okay, so if I am a government and I don't like this project, I walk into these companies, I tell them to turn off the machines or I shoot the machines physically. Now the private keys are physically gone. Does that mean the coins are really gone? Or is there some backup system that now becomes alive? I think there was something like that with Liquid. Where yeah, Liquid has some sort of backup. Yeah, and, and that's I, I fine. Didn't, I didn't read that for RSK. Yeah, but then you can, you know, you can choose to make that backup happen and then go after the backup. And of course, RSK itself, as far as I know, I could be wrong here, relies on Node software that, you know, honors certain private keys and certain behavior. So you could issue a hard fork, but then of course it depends on how how many people run their own node and whether whether they'd go along with that. Yeah. Similar discussion is with Bitcoin. I don't know how the incentives are in that system, so I, I don't want to comment on that. So there are all sorts of risks, but I think it's reasonable to argue that it's better to have the modules than not to have them, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe not, because that backdoor could actually be worse than not, than not having the modules and just using the old laptop, as someone likes to say. <laughs> But um, yeah, but well, anyway, in, in yeah. either case, I mean, RSA is a work in progress. Mm -hmm. They would still like it to become a drive chain. Yeah, so that's an interesting topic that we should dedicate a podcast to. Yeah, we'll discuss drive chain in an episode one time. But but the essence, the essence in one sentence is that in that case, it would. Well, can I summarize it in one sentence? It would just be hash power that that controls the pegs. Yeah, pegging in and very pegging out. Quick, the drive chain is not the end all be all either. There are still sort of sort of caveats. I think we should discuss that in another. That's that's for entirely. another episode. Yes, but it is. It, it could be arguably maybe a nicer solution than hardware modules, because you're really moving away from these companies completely. Yeah. You're saying we're going to just mm -hmm. integrate this with the Bitcoin protocol in general. Now we have all these Bitcoin miners that you don't have to trust. That's the idea, but that might not be possible either. But we'll find out. Yeah. Then again, I mean, at this point, you kind of. Well, is that right? But how are they there's, going there's to make sort money? of there's sort of different levels of trust. Like you're sort of trusting the hardware, but then, like the miners can't cheat on their own, and the hardware, well, the hardware can cheat on its own, I guess. Well, I guess if they want to move to drive chains, they'd move away from the hardware. Sure, wallet. sure, I know. I'm yeah. saying right now. There are all sorts of different security trade-offs that you can make. I think the most important thing is to be honest about them. Yeah. But um, what I was asking is, how are they going to make money? Because it sounds like if you peg a currency, you can't pump it. So is there a pre-mine or are they like honest people? The or? company? Yeah. IOV Labs? I don't know. Okay. Because one of the things, of course, that's nice about currencies that are pegged to Bitcoin is you can say, well, there's no speculative value in the exchange rate. So you can focus a little bit more on the merits of the project itself. 
that was yeah. one of the ideals behind a sidechain. And the other might be to sort of try and piggyback on the proof-of-work security of Bitcoin somehow. Well, that turns out to be complicated. Yeah. Well, one of the nice things about a sidechain like this, arguably, is that it allows Bitcoin miners to earn more fees, which improves Bitcoin security. Sure. Even for those of us that aren't using the sidechain. Yeah. I guess the counter-argument would be that running a mining pool or being a miner profitably would come with a little bit more overhands because you could be outcompeted. Yeah, so there could be a centralization problem there. If, yeah. if the miners have to run all these sidechains in order to still have a good margin, mm-hmm. now one of the sidechains turns out to be Ethereum 2.0 and like you have to process terabytes of data and you have to do it in the big data centrum. You can't do it hitting the way behind a Tor connection. That could actually be bad, right? Another problem... I forgot what the other problem is. In general. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another problem is if there is more value in one of these side chains or smart contracts or whatever it is, if, say, the entire, let's say the gold bugs say, hey, you know what? We kind of like this blockchain technology. We're going to put the entire ownership record of gold on the planet on the blockchain and, and protect it with Bitcoin's proof of work. Well, now you have a tiny thing, Bitcoin, protecting a very large thing because m- probably most of the I don't know, but I, my, guess, my guess is there's more custodial gold out there than Bitcoin. Is that bad? If all the custodial gold in the world is backed by a sidechain on Bitcoin, then creating a reorg on the physical gold chain could be worth a very, very expensive 51% attack on the Bitcoin chain. Yep. You don't care about the Bitcoin chain, you care about the gold sidechain. So yeah, that would be very bad. That would be like being the minority hash power. Maybe not that bad because the, I'm a guess is... If you do this custodial gold sidechain, there's going to be some you know, boss because you're still protecting a physical asset. So you could just ignore shenanigans on the chain. And now so the one, attack might not be worth it because of something I would like to call proof of prison. But Do you think something like RSK could obliterate Ethereum? <laughs> that wasn't the word I was looking for. Replace Ethereum? Does it pump? It doesn't pump. And how is it going to replace Ethereum? I agree. <laughs> that's that's probably the main use case for Ethereum, and it doesn't have that. No, I don't want to say but, that. I'm but there are. If it doesn't pump, it's not going to replace a thing that at, l- at least has pumping as a feature. Yeah. Ethereum may have other features, and maybe it can compete on that one. Yes. But so do spreadsheets. Yes. So I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I think if something like Ethereum needs to exist, I'd prefer to see it as a Bitcoin sidechain. That's not how the world works. The world doesn't say something needs to exist and therefore we get to decide what it is. The world doesn't form around me? No. Well, damn. All right. Anything else? No, I think that was the podcast. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Van Weirdem Shores NATO. There you go.